I want you to imagine for a moment that you are a 13-year-old in China today. 2024, you're a 13-year-old in China. And uh, I want you to just kind of picture a normal day. You're, you're done with school for the day. You go home. It's ready to, it's time to unwind and just kind of chill out for a little bit. And so you fire up Douyin, which is the Chinese version of TikTok, owned by the same company. Um, it's basically Chinese TikTok. So you fire up Douyin, and you're a 13-year-old, so you can kind of, you know what you're going to see, right? You start flipping through the videos, and what do you see? You see educational science videos, and you see see museum exhibits, and you see things teaching you about world history and geology and biology, and wait a second, that does not sound like TikTok to me, does it? Uh, Well, that's because what you're you're looking at, you know, is not the goofy dancing and and sexy influencers and, and blatant consumerism of our version of TikTok. It doesn't sound like TikTok because it's not. It's not the kind of TikTok that American teens are served. You see, Chinese kids, when they, uh, they look at their version of Douyin, they, they see educational content. And American kids are shown whatever's going to keep them watching longer. That's just the reality. American kids, on average, are spending two-plus hours every single day on TikTok Douyin, there's a limit. If you're under the age of 15, you can't even use the app for more than 40 minutes a day. Okay? We get some more interesting differences here. Um, There's this really amazing think tank called the Center for Humane Technology. And one of the founders of that that, uh, organization, Tristan Harris, he had this to say about the difference between American and Chinese TikTok. He says, China recognizes that technology is influencing kids' development. And so they make their domestic version a spinach version while they ship the opium version to the rest of the world. Yikes. Yikes. And by the way, I think that may be the first time I've ever had spinach contrasted with opium before, but that's insane. And it's true. Uh, Harris also pointed out that there's this uh, American, there's a study that they did of American teens where they asked these kids, um, what is your number one most aspirational career? Like if you could do any job in the world, what would you want it to be? And guess what American kids said? Influencer, social media influencer. That's what they wanted to be. They asked the same question of kids in China. And guess what those kids said? Astronaut. (laughs) Interesting, interesting. It's almost as if China as a country has recognized a truth that America has yet to grasp. The kind of content that we consume has a tremendous effect on the kind of people we become. The kind of content we consume has a tremendous effect on the kind of people we become. And so setting aside some very large geopolitical conversations about the future of our two countries, I just want to talk about you for a second. That's what we're going to talk about today. What kind of content do you consume? What's your intake uh, look like in this digital world? Welcome back to Virtual Reality. This is week two of our sermon series where we are exploring biblical principles for how to be Christ followers in the digital world. And uh, you're going to have to go back to, to last week to understand why I would even say that there is anything biblical about technology. Believe me, it's in there. And, and that's what this whole series is about. Before we dive into today's topic, um, I want to remind us of the big picture direction that we're taking for this series. Okay, this is kind of what we talked about uh, last week. Because you might assume that 
if a church is going to talk about technology, then we're probably going to tell you to just burn it all to the ground, right? We're going to tell you to ditch your phones and, and, and not use any of this digital stuff that has such a high risk of potentially, uh, I don't know, affecting you in a negative way. So we're going to tell you to, to, to put it all away, avoid it all together, get off social media, get off TikTok, etc. That might be what you would assume that we're going to be saying, but it's not. It's not. In fact, that is not at all what this series is all about. Here's what I mean by that. Last week, I introduced us all to a concept um, that, that is right from the mouth of Jesus himself. He said in one of his prayers, toward, right before he was crucified, he said that we, his followers, are not of this world. We're not of this world, but we are sent into it. We're not of this world, but we are sent into it. In other words, followers of Jesus we are called to be distinct from the rest of the world, right? We're not of the world, so our thoughts, our behaviors, our actions should look different from everybody else because of what Jesus has done for us. So we should be holy, etc. All that, that's what we talked about. But, yes, we're supposed to be set apart, but, but being set apart, being different, being holy does not mean being withdrawn, it doesn't. Jesus prayed this to his father in, in John 17. He said, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them, my followers. I'm sending them into the world. So yes, this world may be broken. It, it may be a mess, but we are the ones who have been sent by God into it to help heal it. That's our job, to, to save this broken world even when it comes to the digital revolution of our day. So no, we don't just walk away. We don't just trash our phones. We figure out what it means to move in, right? That's the posture that we have to figure out how to take. So the first principle for this whole series, we're going to have these five biblical principles. The first principle from last week when it comes to this brave new world of technology is this. You are on a mission. You are on a mission. When it comes to the technology that you use and the content you consume and the things that you say and do as a Christian in 2024 America, you have a role to play. We have a role to play in healing the lives that are being chewed up by this digital world that we live in. That's our job. We can't shy away from it. We move into it. Okay, so... Today, we're talking about, as I said, the content, the content that we consume, the stuff we watch, the things we read, what we listen to, and even a little bit about what we post, all right? The content of our world. So let's get into it. Grab a Bible. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. It'll be page 988 if you want to use one of the house Bibles in the seats in front of you, or you can look it up online, do it yourself, however you want to do it. Uh, while you're turning there, I'm going to pray for us. Let's pray. Well, Father, um, Thank you again for bringing us all to, together here, whether in this room or online, that we, get to, um, that we get to listen to your voice and read your word and, and I hope, uh, hear something that's going to transform the way we live. I pray, Father, that as I am preaching today, you would just help me to disappear and let your Holy Spirit remain. I ask that you would give us all ears to hear what it is that you have to say this morning. We pray all these things, trusting in you, and we pray them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, 
Uh, right, real quick, before we get into the passage, I do want to make a quick aside. Speaking of technology, we're doing a few little extracurricular things throughout this series, and one of those is coming up this Wednesday. Uh, on Wednesday at 4.30 p.m., uh, Danny and Randy from our student ministries are going to join me to do a Twitch stream of a game called Fall Guys, and it's very family-friendly and goofy. Um, and I, I used to do some Twitch streaming back in COVID as a way to try to connect and keep us all together. And uh, it was kind of a hit back then when we did it. We had a good time. So we're going to do it again. Uh, basically, if you don't know what Twitch streaming is, it's probably not for you. This is mainly designed for like the kids and students that might find this interesting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about you know, how does technology affect kids and students these days, but it'll also just be a, a chance to goof off and, and have a good time. And the people who watch can, you know, submit questions and stuff on the chat, and it'll be great. So if you're interested, gracechurch.us slash technology has all the info that you need about that and all the other stuff we're doing. Okay, Twitch stream this Friday. There you go. All right, before we read Colossians 3, let me just give you a little bit of the world behind the text, a little bit of the context. So Colossae, uh, the city where this letter was written to, is, was kind of a smallish, relatively unimportant city in what is today Western Turkey. And uh, the city kind of didn't really make much of a splash in the, in the ancient world, uh, with the exception of the fact that they got a letter written to them by the Apostle Paul. Well, this city was small, but it wasn't completely uh, absent from the world. In fact, Colossae was right on a pretty significant trading route that took a bunch of goods and, and things out to the uh, Aegean Sea. And so a lot of stuff went through Colossae. A lot of merchants, a lot of travelers, a lot of new ideas, a lot of weird, weird new religious ideas, um, false teaching about Jesus, uh, exotic vices from the Far East, all kinds of stuff was coming through Colossae. And so the Apostle Paul, who was kind of, uh, he, he, well, it doesn't matter, he, he didn't start the church in Colossae, but he was significant in helping to keep it going. He was concerned because this Colossian church was being exposed to all these different influences, and he wanted to make sure that they didn't give in, that they didn't miss, uh, miss where they were going and miss the mission. And so you can kind of see why we're reading this, because that's not so different from the world that we're living in today. There may not be, you know, caravan camel, camel, camels and caravans or whatever, but we do have plenty of influences streaming past us all the time. I said this last week, technology changes, but human nature doesn't. And so what we're about to read, I think, is still really applicable today. Okay, so let me read Colossians 3, starting in verse 1, and then we'll talk about it. Paul says this, Since you, Colossian church, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality or impurity or lust or evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature 
and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Okay. I know that if you're anything like me, you probably have a bit of a hard time when you come to those sin lists in the Bible like Paul likes to do. Your eyes start to kind of glaze over a little bit when he's like, you know, sexual immorality and lust and greed and slander. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Got it, Paul. Thank you. Don't be bad. Okay, we're good. We're, we're you can keep on moving, Paul. But here's what I want to say. If that's the way we look at this as just sort of something to kind of skim right on by as just a sin list and holier than thou stuff, we're going to miss the point that Paul's trying to make. We're going to significantly miss his point. Paul here is not just talking about behavior modification. All right, what I mean by that is he, he's not just talking about uh, Colossian Christians. You, sh you all need to be nice, shiny Christian people for the sake of moral purity, as if that's an end in itself. That's not what he's saying. There's more at stake here. And I think the key to understanding what that more is is by paying attention to the, some of the language of this passage, including, more specifically, the tense that Paul uses. Listen to this tense. He says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Verse 3, he says, For you died to this life. So since you have been raised, you have died. What, what he's saying is, this is already done. This is like past tense or past perfect tense. This is accomplished. It is over. This is, this is already happened. Because of who we already are in Jesus, we need to keep our eyes focused on heaven. That's why we need to be intentional in what we think about. Now, when he says the word think about here a few times, that word in Greek is the, the Greek word phroneo, phroneo. And, and in Greek, this word carries more with it than, than just having a concept in our minds. Phroneo is like active thinking, right? You're thinking towards something in a way that, that moves you towards what you're thinking about. Paul is essentially saying here that we have a choice of what to move towards in our minds. We can choose what to think about. We can think about the things of heaven, which... That word heaven, it's going to make us think about clouds and harps and angels. That's not what Paul means when he talks about heaven. What he means is the kingdom of God. He's talking about the, the things like the purposes of God or the character of Christ. Those are the things of heaven that we can choose to think towards. We can think in a direction that moves us towards those things. Or we can think about the things of this earth. Right? We can have our minds set on the things, the stuff of our broken, sin, and death-filled world. That's a choice that we have to make. So why does it matter? Why does it matter which one we think towards? Especially if we've already been saved. Like what, why does it matter what goes on in our minds? Well, again, because of the past tense. Because of what has been accomplished. Because of who we already are. Paul says, you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, your old self was dead and buried. You became a new creation. You are now in Christ. It's who you are. Verse 10, he says, when you put on your new nature, which again, you already have, you are renewed. You're renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. See, that's how this works. You phroneo, you, fr you think towards the things of heaven and you start to look like Jesus. 
On the other hand, if you start to set your mind on the things of this earth, on the, the stuff that used to define you, your old self, and guess what starts to happen? You start to look again just like the rest of this broken, anxious, rage-filled world. You look like everybody else. Thinking about the things of earth inevitably drags you away from who you already are in Jesus. You can see why that's a big deal because our thoughts have power. Our thoughts have power. It matters what you set your mind on. It matters what you set your mind on because it shapes the kind of person you become. Now, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to see how that might apply to the things that we pay, our pay attention to online, right? To the content that we consume. The digital world that we live in is saturated, saturated with the things of this earth, right? All the stuff that Paul just talked about, lust and greed and rage and lies, all of it is out there and it's just waiting to turn us, to drag us back down into lustful, greedy, rage-filled liars. That's what it wants to do to us. Why do you think our culture is such a mess these days? See, it's very easy for us to let our online world drag us back to who we used to be. But let me be clear. That's not an option for us. It's not an option for us. If we are on a mission to help heal this broken world, then we can't be adding to the brokenness. Do you understand? If we're, if we're supposed to be sent into the filth to help clean it and, and, and purify this world and bring life, then we can't be spreading death and filth in the way that we live. So we can't get dragged back down. What we set our minds on changes who we are. Which is why the second uh, big principle for this series is this. Garbage in, garbage out. It's simple, but I don't want you to forget that. Garbage in, garbage out. Now this phrase, garbage in, garbage out, was originally uh, like a computer science term. Programmers, early programmers, they realized that if they're creating a program to do something and they feed it garbage data, guess what the results are going to look like? Garbage, right? Programs are just doing what you, what, you, you know, what you tell them to do. And if you give them garbage data, garbage comes out the other side. We're actually, uh, we've already seen this a little bit when it comes to AI chatbots, you know, like ChatGPT. I don't know if you've played around with those at all, but when those first started coming out, coming online, what we realized pretty quickly is that they were startlingly racist and misogynistic, these, these AI chatbots. Do you know why? Because they trained these chatbots on the internet. Like that was their training data. And, you know, a place that's just famously known for its, its uh, compassion and love and, and like, yeah, no, you, you train these chatbots on the internet and you're going to get some very internet looking outputs, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Now, we're not computer programs, all right? We are different than that. We are more complex than that. But let's just be honest. If you're shoveling garbage into your mind over and over and over and over again, it's a bit of a stretch to think that what's going to come out of you is beautiful and lovely, right? It's going to be garbage. That's how it works with what we put into our minds. Another way of putting it, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Garbage in, garbage out. 
And in a world that is desperate, desperately in need of, of healing and life, if all Christ followers today have to offer is more garbage to add to the pile, well, guess what? Things aren't going to get much better. We don't have an option. So what do we do about this, right? Where do we even start? What do we do with a world that's saturated with garbage and yet we are called to set our minds on the things of heaven? Again, I know where we're tempted to go. Well, let's get out of here, right? Let's withdraw. Let's pull out. Let's burn the phones, get everything out of the way so that we don't have to think about these things anymore. But again, we are on mission. We have been sent into the filth. So how do we stay engaged in this technological world without getting dragged back down? How do we do it? Well, I want to give us just a little bit of grace, first of all. Because as I said last week, this is uncharted territory. Are you with me? I mean, no one in human history has ever had to solve this problem. No Christ followers have ever had to live in the digital revolution. That's us. So it's a bit of a privilege that we get to be the ones to chart the course, but my goodness, isn't that a little bit intimidating? It is. This is a lot. But I believe God's Spirit will do through us what He always does through the church, which is to guide us as we chart a course. we got to listen to His voice, and I think that starts with listening to the Word of God through Scripture. So let's do that. Let's, let's look back again at Colossians 3 and, and see if we can talk through some basic steps that we could all be taking um, to reshape the content that is filling our minds and, of course, what comes out the other side, all right? So number one, here's one step that comes right out of Colossians 3. Know yourself. All right, step one, know yourself. Paul says in verse 5, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Now let's start there. Uh, This is not just about what's out there. It's also about what's in here. You see, every one of us is different. We are all wired differently. We face different temptations. Uh, We all have different hangups, different addictions. We're all one of a kind. So what's your hangup, right? What's your brokenness? We'll start there. Know yourself. Here's why this matters, because if you understand your own brokenness, you're going to have a much better chance of understanding the garbage that you're going to be tempted to shovel in, right? It's going to be tailored to you. I'll give you an example from myself. I could talk about a lot of my my brokenness, my temptations, but I'll speak about one. Um, I, as a seven on the Enneagram, if you know the Enneagram, I have probably a, a, a brokenness that would, I'll call it too much of a good thing. Too much of a good thing. That's kind of how I'm wired. I will often overdo it with perfectly good, normal things, whether, you know, whatever. Specifically, and I'm going to just go to this example, video games. Video games. I love them. I don't know why. They're fun. I'm I'm particularly good at first-person shooter games for some reason, which I don't know why that's a gift that God gave me, but I I enjoy it. Uh, And so, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So, that's a, that's a thing. I used to have a crippling video game addiction back in college and the years after college where I would just, it was out of control. Uh, and there was a time where I kind of took a break from all that for a few years. And now I play video games again, but, but it's not to the same level that I ever did before. Um, so I enjoy it. There, it's a good thing. It's fun. It's a great diversion. It's a great way to take my mind off things. But if I'm not careful, 
these video games can start to become a little bit all-consuming. I can find myself playing a little bit too much. I can start finding myself staying up a little bit too late. My mind starts to get a little bit dull, and my, my mission, my drive towards mission starts to get a little bit blunt. I see that happen when I'm letting these video games start to take over. Garbage in, garbage out. Now, that's one very small example. Maybe that's what you struggle with, but maybe not. There's plenty of other things, which is why I say knowing yourself is so important. What is your brokenness? What is the weak point in your armor that is going to be exploited by all the garbage of our world? Now, I don't want to make it seem like knowing yourself is only about the negative, though. It's not just about avoiding temptations. It's also, it's also about knowing the person that God has made you to be. The person that God has made you to be. Do you know that person? Let's keep reading in Colossians 3 um, because I think we'll get to a little bit more of a positive light here. In verse 12, Paul goes on, he says, Since God chose you, chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe, yourself with, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. I love that one. It's just like, oh, and by the way, always be thankful. Good luck with that, right? Okay, again, let's pay attention to the tense of the passage that we just read. We're talking about what has already been accomplished, right? This is already done. This is who you now are in God's eyes. Look back at that passage. Merciful, kind, humble. This is talking about you. This is who you are in Christ. Kind, humble, gentle, forgiving, loving. You, loving, peaceful, thankful. Always be thankful. That is you in Christ. That is who you are designed to be. God chose you to be that person. And add on top of that the fact that you've also been chosen to, to carry unique spiritual gifts that are designed just for you. And you're wired with unique passions which are just for you. And it's all around this idea of you having a gift and a passion and unique wiring to help heal the brokenness of this world. Okay, that is you. That is you. You are unique. It's no surprise to me if that's all you that you have a mission to do because you're kind of something special right? You are. That is you in Christ. Know yourself. Know yourself. Understand who you used to be and understand who you already are in Jesus. Know yourself. And that's when you can start setting your mind on the things of heaven. Moving, freneo, moving your mind in such a way that it moves your life towards what matters. So know yourself. Number two, know your enemy. Know your enemy. Now, yes, the evil one is obviously the ultimate enemy. And the evil one wants nothing more than for you to spend all of your time just, just 
pondering and thinking about garbage. All right, that's what the evil one wants because then you are off mission and garbage in, garbage out. So that's the, that's the truth. But there is a specific tool, which is maybe a bit more neutral, but the evil one will use it to the fullest advantage. And this is probably more specifically the enemy in this particular sermon series. And it's this, the almighty algorithm. The algorithms that, that, that define our world today. And if you're not familiar with this, algorithms are basically little bits of code that, that, that are behind all online platforms that we interact with. And put simply, they decide what to show us next. When you're scrolling and you're, you're looking at the unlimited scrolling thing, uh, you'll see what the algorithm wants you to see next. So this is everywhere. Facebook and Google and TikTok and YouTube and, and games on your phone or games on, on, online or, or on your Xbox or whatever with their addictive loot boxes and battle passes and all that stuff. All of that stuff is designed by algorithms for one specific job. One thing, that's all they do, which is to keep you engaged as long as possible, as deeply as possible. These algorithms, these programs, they do not care about what content they show you. They're not thinking about that. All they're trying to do is to get you to watch longer, to keep clicking, to play longer, to keep scrolling, to comment more, to share. That's what they want you to do. And these algorithms, they've been trained on human behavior. They have figured out pretty quickly what keeps us the most engaged. And you know what that is? Outrage or fear or lust or greed, or consumerism. It is a race to the bottom of the brainstem. That's what these algorithms are doing. It's the engagement economy. They don't want you thinking critically. They want you thinking like an animal and just responding to your urges as, as they come your way. That's what these algorithms are doing. I'll give you an example. And th th this is how they learn us and learn you. If, they, if, if you're on TikTok and you see a video that's about, let's say, Republicans and Democrats finding common ground, well, what's going to happen? You're going to be like boring and keep moving because you want to find the video that shows the people on the other side of the aisle being idiots, right? You want to see them looking ridiculous and failing and flailing. And, and you want that like uh, schadenfreude feeling, that, that word that in German that means like taking pleasure at another person's misfortune. That's the stuff that you are going to watch, right? And you do that. You choose that video over the other video. And guess what happens? The algorithm goes, Yep, got it, got it. I'll show you more of that next time. That's how the algorithms work. They're paying attention to us. Again, this is why it is so important to know yourself, to know yourself, because these algorithms, they already do. They know you better than you know yourself, so you've got to do some catching up because you only are going to be able to avoid these things and guide these algorithms in other ways if you know yourself and where the evil one wants to trip you up. If you know the kind of garbage you're going to be most tempted to shovel into your mind. And listen to me when I say this. These algorithms, like I said, they know you and they are going to be very, very good at bringing out all the, the quote, earthly things lurking within you, as Paul says, if you give them the power to show you what to start thinking about next. That's the dynamic of the world we live in. These algorithms have power and they, without a little bit of work on our part, they will shape you into the kind of person that you used to be. Garbage in, garbage out. Know yourself and know your enemy. 
Now, a real quick aside. First of all, parents, I'm sorry. Like, I'm really sorry because I don't even know where you begin. You're, you're, you think it's hard as an adult to overcome the power of these algorithms? Well, imagine all of the kids that are having garbage shoveled at them day in and day out. It's, the algorithms are more powerful than them. And so I don't have like a perfect list of solutions for you, but I do want to have a conversation with you. Um, so in, in a few weeks on the 23rd, we are going to be screening the, uh, the Social Dilemma, which is a documentary that's all about the power of these algorithms over kids and, and, and in our world today. Not just kids, it's everybody, but specifically kids. And so we're going to screen that movie, and I want everybody who's interested to come. You don't have to have kids, but we're just going to have a discussion about this and, and keep the conversation going. And by the way, last week, I called it uh, at the 11 o'clock service, The Social Network, which is famously not a documentary, uh, but actually a movie with Jesse Eisenberg about the beginning of Facebook, and that is not what we're going to be watching we're going to be watching The Social Network, okay? Just to clear that up, because uh, maybe that would actually draw more people if we showed uh, The Social. Yeah, anyway, anyway, all right. Everybody's welcome to come to that on the 23rd. Again, gracechurch.us slash technology for all the details about all the stuff that's going on uh, this month. Okay, know yourself. Know your enemy. And then the third one is just real simple. Be intentional. Be intentional. And this is where the rubber really meets the road, guys, because once you know yourself and you know your enemy, you, you got to start making some choices. Start making some choices, specifically around the question, who do I want to be in this digital world? Or even better, who is God calling me to be, right? Who am I already in Christ? Who's that person? And who do I want to, do, do I want to become that person? If you can identify that person, that, that version of you, that, that who is gifted and passionate and humble and compassionate and, and on a mission, if that's who you can start to see yourself as, you can start to set your mind on becoming that person. So be intentional in what you watch, in what you read, in what you allow yourself to be shaped by. Ask yourself this question. Does what I'm about to shovel into my mind, does this make me more like Jesus or less like him? Be intentional. Now, real quick, it may seem, just for what it's worth, that there's only garbage out there. It may seem like the world is just full of it and there's nothing else out there, but I beg to differ. There are TikTok and YouTube accounts that are dedicated to love and compassion and, and bridging cultural divides. There are Christ followers out there who are gifted and, and, and they're scholars and artists and writers and musicians and they are, they are putting the, the fruits of their labor out into the digital world. Our partner ministries, all of them are on social media. They're on TikTok or Instagram and Facebook, maybe TikTok, but they're out there telling stories of how God is working in their world, how people's lives are being changed because of Jesus. There's the Bible Project. The Bible Project, I, I talk about them all the time. They have amazing content that helps Scripture come alive for you. Even here at Grace, we have our own Between Sundays podcast, right? That just launched this last week again, relaunched after a little hiatus. Uh, and it's, it's a great way to go deeper after every message between the, between the two Sundays, as the name would, would, uh, would tell you. Uh, all of this is online. It's all out there, but you have to be intentional to go look for it. You have to go look for it. And, and by the way, the same thing goes for what you post. You gotta be intentional before you hit send, before you retweet that thing or, or, or fire off that comment. 
ask yourself, does what I'm about to put into the world, does it make my world look more like the things of heaven? Does it look more like the kingdom of God, like new creation, or less like it? Be intentional even in what you post. By the way, final thought. Remember I said know your enemy before. We talked about algorithms. Well, here's the trick about algorithms. They're, they genuinely are, are pretty much neutral. All they're trying to do is, is give you what they think you want so you can teach them what you want by being intentional about what you watch and post and share. You can spend your time putting a bit more energy into engaging the things of heaven and the algorithms will be like, okay, got it. I'll show you more of that. That's how they work. When you, by the way, when you encounter things on your, on your feed that are very much the things of this earth, the things that are going to drag you back down, you can be intentional to scroll right on by and show the algorithm, no, I'm not interested in that anymore. I don't want to see that thing. No, I don't want to be that person. When you do it, the algorithms will learn. You can game the system, but it takes work. It takes discipline. It takes intentionality. It's not easy, but I got to say this. It is not impossible. You can help to reshape your own personal digital world into a, into a place where you are not being fed only garbage, but where you can start to think about and set your mind on the things of heaven. To allow your, your internal world, your thoughts, your mind to start shaping you into the person that you already are in Christ. So remember, garbage in, garbage out. But the opposite is also true. As Paul says in verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Where are you setting your mind? Because in this digital world that we live in, it really, really matters. Let's pray. Well, Father, it's definitely intimidating to imagine that we are having to navigate this absolutely uncharted reality of so much difficulties and garbage and all the stuff that we have to face. And yet, I'm reminded of the fact that we are not alone in this, that you've given us your spirit for a reason. And so, Father, I pray that you would just fan into flames your spirit within each of us, that you would give us supernatural wisdom in what we choose to feed ourselves online, that you would give us strength and, and discipline to go past the things that might tempt us. I pray, Father, that you would lift us up into your presence and remind us of who we really are so that we can join you in your mission to heal this broken world in Jesus' name. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.